So tonight we're going to ask the question, how does he speak to me when I need direction or I need knowledge? Not him. Last week was about how does he speak when I need him? Tonight is about how does he speak when I need to know or to do? So let's make that list. Is the church true? Is the Book of Mormon true? Is this whole thing really true or am I being deceived? Should I serve a mission? Is marriage right now the right thing? This occupation, that occupation? Lost my wallet. Can you help me find it? You know, a thousand things. How How does a loving Heavenly Father give me direction? So let's make that list. Let's start in section six. Again, if I don't write the book, it's the Doctrine and Covenants. That'll just say me. I'm just going to put all the references, but if I don't write the book, just know it's in Doctrine and Covenants. So, Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, 23 and 24. The Lord reminds Oliver Cowdery how he answered his prayer about whether or not this work was divine or not. Oliver left his occupation to help Joseph. He left his career. So he was struggling. Is this right? Is this the right thing to do? That's a legitimate question to need divine answer, an answer for. So the Lord was saying, let me remind you how I answered your prayer. So this is one way he speaks. Anyone want to read this? Section tw- 6, 23 and 24. Please read. Did I not speak? Oh, wait, let's do 20, that's 22 and 23. Sorry, I was wrong. I was wrong. Don't read it. 22 and 23. I was thinking of 1st Nephi. Go ahead. Okay. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if ye desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that ye cried unto me in your heart, that ye might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? There it is. What greater witness can ye have than from God? Did I not speak peace to your mind? Now, I think this is peace to my soul, right? This is peace to my heart. I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I just need Heavenly Father to bring me peace. But now this is that moment of clarity. I've been in a confused state. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. And then comes a moment of clarity. Call it an epiphany, call it whatever you want, but it's that moment where peace comes amongst confusion. He answered your prayer. I have peace about this now. Do you see, have you ever felt that? Do you know that moment? It's that divine moment that brings peace amidst confusion. Did I not speak peace to your mind? That's one way. A moment of clarity. A moment of clarity. You know what? I'm at peace with this. Now that's very related to the next one. Section 9, verse 8. You might call this the same idea, but I want to present them as different voices. One voice is peace and clarity amidst confusion. And this one is... Let's read it. Section 9. Oliver Cowdery wants to translate the Book of Mormon. How will he know if the translation is right? Do not say bosom in your bosom, do, or burning in your bosom. I think we need to throw that phrase out of the scriptures because we misinterpret it. 
So throw burning in your bosom out. So many times we're deceived by emotional experiences thinking they're spiritual. Let's throw that out. Go to the end of the verse. If it's right, you will feel it is right. This is the voice that says. So if this is peace amidst confusion, this is, that's the right decision. I feel the right decision. Quite often, if you're praying, Lord, A or B, help me with A or B. And clarity comes, and I know that B is the right thing to do. I feel it is right. Again, anytime you have an example, share it. I'll share mine. Abby? study it out in your mind but then also just like make a decision and um, then ask God if it's right and because you can't feel if it is right if you don't decide what it is so yep now we're going to do rules of revelation next so how do I get that feeling to come that's exactly what we'll talk about but recognizing I feel it's right that's the voice I want to focus on. I feel it's right. I know the right thing to do. Let me give, give you an example. I don't know if going to school was one of those, but I, I wanted to go there and the Lord sent me there. And I was really heartbroken. And so I decided to drive up to said school and I was walking around the campus and it was an overwhelming, this is the right place for you. This is right. And that was revelation. One voice is peace amongst confusion, clarity in confusion. And one voice is I know the right thing to do. I feel it is right. Now, I love these two. But allow me to climb on my soapbox for a minute when we do number three. Because so many of you do not think you are led very often by revelation. Some of you are sitting there thinking, those are great, but I don't get them very often. I don't hear these voices a lot. So let me do this one next. And let me change your attitude about how often you are led by revelation. Ready? The very next verse has the next concept. How will you feel that the translation is right? Oliver, if you get the translation right, you will feel that it is right. But what if he got the translation wrong? What does the Lord say in verse 9? Now, again, I don't know what a stupor of thought is. I'm going to throw that out because I think we've misinterpreted it. What's the gist of what he's saying? One of Heavenly Father's clearest voices is the one that says what? You're doing something wrong. How often do you get that voice? How many times have you said something stupid and you knew instantly you shouldn't have said it? How many of you, have you ever done something wrong? You took something you shouldn't have taken. 
You did something you shouldn't. How long is the gap between doing it and the voice coming saying you shouldn't have done that? Right? You always know when you're doing something wrong, don't you? That is one of the clearest voices I hear. You're doing something wrong. Now, do you understand what that means? The best way he guides you is the absence of that voice. If you are not going the wrong direction, then guess what that means? If he tells you when you're doing, how often does he tell you when you're wrong? Tell me, be honest with me. How often do you know when you're going wrong? So what if I'm not going wrong? So may I suggest that the greatest way Heavenly Father is guiding you is by not talking to you. And you are not recognizing that it's revelation. Now, this, I get it. I need these, but there's almost, there's almost an encroachment on my agency. And Heavenly Father is big on agency, isn't he? He's very big on, you need to choose. So he doesn't tell me what to do. I have never gone into Walmart and he told me which toothpaste to buy. I have never, I have never been told which toothpaste to buy or what to have to dinner or what to wear, which tie to put on for my class. That is not how Heavenly Father guides me because there's an element of agency, right? So one of the very best ways he guides me is when he tells me I'm doing something wrong. Absent that voice means what? I'm going in the right direction and that's revelation. I know I'm not going the wrong way. Let me give you an analogy. Hold on one second. Let me give you an analogy. If I were to give you a ride home, I guarantee you would not give me turn by turn instructions. Okay, put the car in reverse, kind of go a little bit to the right. Now go that direction. And then you're going to turn left and the parking, the exit to the parking lot is right over there. You would not give me turn by turn instructions, wouldn't you? When do you speak to me? You speak in two settings. When do you speak to me? When an important decision is coming up. Okay, you need to turn right, right there. Or when do you speak to me? When I've made the wrong decision. Uh, you were supposed to get off there. Didn't you need to be in the right lane? So tell me about Revelation. Tell me about Heavenly Father. He speaks clearly when you have a very important decision to make. When the danger is high. Now, next week when we do rules of Revelation, we'll do the brother of Jared. They'll do the Jaredites. Light versus air. When it was an air situation and their lives were in danger, what did Heavenly Father do? This is what you do. Drill a hole in the top and the bottom. In the light situation, what did Heavenly Father do? You decide. So during dangerous situations, He will speak. It's very important that you know this. But most of the time, day to day, guess how He guides us? Well, I'm not going the wrong direction. He'd let me know if I were. 
therefore I know I am going the right direction. The absence of the you're not going the the absence of the you're going the wrong direction is actually the greatest revelation you receive every day. Get that into your heads. I'm going the right direction because if I weren't, he'd be very clear. He'd speak very clearly. This voice, feel it is wrong, is one of the most clearest voices I hear. Would you agree with that? Therefore, if I'm not going the wrong direction, what should I conclude? I am going the right direction and I am being led by revelation. And how do you know it? Because he's not speaking. Do you see why we often don't see our lives as being led by revelation? But I am being led because if I were going the wrong direction, he'd be very clear. Go ahead. So a lot of times when I receive more of that direct, like directional revelation, it sometimes feels like you know, you just like scoop the bottom, like a bottle of just like dirt and water, you know, you shake it really hard, and then with time it kind of like settles down. That's kind of what happens when I'm on the right path, right? Is it kind of just settles down. And then what you're saying on last week with the messages to the heart, that kind of hit me really hard because I realized that sometimes I feel like I'm not getting this strong directional revelation, um, but if I can recognize the messages to the heart as being revelation, then I can realize that the floodgates are still open, like he's still here, he's still here, but he'll tell me if it's wrong. Yep. And so just kind of connecting the two, I don't think that they always have to be very separate. Right. Is that if you're feeling it, like he's here. He's, he's with here. me. I see that he's here, but let me know if it's wrong, and just kind of trusting that he's in the passenger seat next to you. He knows the route. It's okay. He's going to tell you when to turn right or left. But that guy's too for left, so we're right. <laughs> and so it's, he's in the passenger seat and just recognizing and trusting that he's there and recognizing that with time, kind of the storm that's happening around you, if it starts to settle down, you start to see a lot more clearly, especially if you start to see more clearly your relationship with God. And it's right. Yeah. My confidence is high. I know... And you know what? I, I, I get the principle of agency. He's not going to tell me everything. He's going to tell me strongly when it's important and when I've gone something, gone the wrong direction. So I'm driving with confidence. I'm driving with confidence that I'm going the right direction because if I weren't, he'd be speaking. I think you need to let that settle into your souls, that you are going the right direction. Your life is headed the right direction. Otherwise... What do you think a loving father would do? And believe me, I've been down that path and I know what a loving father does every single day. I'm down that path. And so my confidence grows that, you know what? He's with me. And I don't need him to tell, I don't need him to tell me every time I need to turn right. I know where I'm going and I know that's the right direction. And if I'm not headed in the right direction, then we're going to have some serious conversations. Such a beautiful concept about revelation. Daily, hourly, minute-by-minute minute revelation. I'm not going the wrong direction. 
Let me give you an example. Elder Holland told this wonderful story with his son, um, Matt. They were headed in a direction and they both felt inspired to go to the left. And when they went to the left, they found a dead end route. And they clearly knew that that was not the wrong way to go. And so Matt asks his dad, dad, why did we both feel like Heavenly Father told us to go down the road to the left? He told us the wrong road. He very clearly said, go to the left when it was the wrong road. He pointed out the wrong road. Maddie, I've been thinking and silently praying about that same thing all the way home because I really did feel a very distinct impression to take the road to the left. The Lord has taught us an important lesson today. Because we were prompted to take the road to the left, we quickly discovered which one was the right one. When we turned around and got on the right road, I was able to travel its many unfamiliar twists and turnoffs perfectly confident I was headed in the right direction. Why? Because he knew what? I know I'm going the right direction because I'm not on the wrong road. If we had started on the right road, we might have driven 30 minutes or so, become uneasy with the unfamiliar surroundings, been tempted to turn back. If we had done that, we would have discovered the dead end so late, it would have been too dark to find our way back in totally unfamiliar territory. Because I know I'm not on the wrong road, my confidence is high. Do you see Revelation? Do you understand how often you're led by Revelation? Because you know the voice when you're going the wrong direction. Can I make a confession that no one out there would understand if they were to walk by? I didn't marry my wife because she was the right person. I don't believe there is a right person person. I married my wife because she wasn't the wrong person. It's a very different form of revelation. I kept asking Heavenly Father, is she right? Is she right? Is she right? Well, what's the answer to that question? There's no right. She's great. But over here would be another great one. And over there would be another great one. There is no right. And I kept saying, is she right? Is she right? Is she right? Until finally I changed the question. I wanted to marry her. I chose her. So the day I planned on proposing, I was in the temple and I just said, Heavenly Father, if she's the wrong one, I need you to let me know. I married her because she wasn't the wrong one. And I know that I made a good decision. Does that make sense? He's not going to tell you every turn to make, but he will tell you when you make the wrong one. Have you ever dated the wrong person? Do you know it? And as much as you try to convince you that you're, you're wrong, you know it, don't you? That's Heavenly Father. He speaks loudly when you are wrong. Therefore, have tremendous confidence when you know you're not going the wrong direction. Do you see why I testify so powerfully that you are receiving more revelation than you think? By not receiving revelation. You're not going the wrong direction. Therefore, you are moving the right direction. Any thoughts? Well, I just have a quick story. Please. It actually happened today. I um, didn't know what to do tonight, so I was like... 
I'll just stay home. And then I was like, no, you need to go to institute. And I was like, I don't really want to. I'm really tired. And I was yawning on the way here. And, and then I was like, all right, I'll just do it. And then this is exactly what I needed to hear today. And then I just felt an overpowerful like, love that this is the right place. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, hey, it's important. You're, you've got to turn right here. You've got to turn right here. It's very important. Those are moments where he speaks up. But just because today I didn't get that prompting doesn't mean I'm not being led by him. Because I am going the right direction. Otherwise, he'd be speaking. Do you see how important it is to understand that he's speaking when he's not speaking? Okay, now let's make a list of things that he puts into my head. I want to point out so many different things that come, and I testify they come as revelation. Now, are they always revelation? I don't believe so. But is this one of the many ways revelation comes? Yes. So let's now make a list of things that Heavenly Father puts into my mind. And I think you'll be surprised at how many there are. First of all, an obvious one. I don't know what scripture to put here, so I'm just going to put Enos uh, 1.10 because I like the wording here. The voice of God came into my mind. And I'm just going to simply say, sometimes he puts thoughts. Sometimes, Heavenly Father, go to institute was a thought he put in your head. When I was a kid, we, were, we, used to take, we used to love to go to Lake Powell. We'd, we'd rent a houseboat. We'd cliff jump. One day we pulled into this beautiful little cove. No one was around. Straight cliff. My dad parked right below the cliff. And we jumped out and went to the, there was a beach where we could climb up to the cliff. We were halfway through to the beach where my dad got a very, very strong impression. Move the houseboat. He second-guessed himself a couple times. Very strong impression. Move the houseboat. So he swam back, moved the houseboat. I was really disappointed because it's like, Dad, we wanted to just jump right there. But he moved the houseboat. Not five seconds after he moves the houseboat, a huge chunk of the cliff breaks off and falls right where the, the size of the houseboat lands right where the houseboat would have been. My grandma would have been crushed. My mom would have been crushed. We had no cell phones. The boat would have been gone. We would have been stranded. That was a thought that saved us. He does put thoughts into our heads. But learning which thoughts are God's is the challenge. Because how many times, how many times have I uh, stopped at a store on my way home and I'm halfway into the store and the thought comes into my head, you didn't lock the door. Now, if that's revelation, he just saved my laptop from being stolen. So I walk back and the car was locked. It wasn't revelation. That was my own worrisome nature. <laughs> so which thoughts are his and which thoughts are mine? Can I tell you, Boyd K. Packer said something that changed my life. He said, as an apostle, here, I'll let you read it. I want you to see it from his own words. Boyd K. Packer said the following. As an apostle, I listen now to the same inspiration coming from the same source in the same way that I listened to as a boy. Apostles don't get revelation any differently than we do. They've just learned 
to hear. They've learned which voice is his and which voice isn't. So let me tell you what I've learned. Joseph Smith, I think, gave us a beautiful little way to know the difference. I think God practices with us all the time. I truly believe Heavenly Father is constantly practicing for when it's important. Listen to what Joseph Smith said. A person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flow into you, it may give you sudden strokes of ideas so that by noticing it, you may find it fulfilled that same day or soon. The things which were presented to your mind by the spirit of God will come to pass. And thus by learning the spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ Jesus. I think he's constantly putting thoughts in our head that come to pass. I want you to begin to pay attention to how many times does a thought come into your head and then it happens. That's Heavenly Father practicing with you. A thought comes into your head and then it happens. And it's him saying, did you pay attention? That was me. I vividly remember one day I had a very distinct impression. They're going to call me and change my assignment, which meant moving my house. They're going to call me and change my assignment. Now, do I need, did I need advance notice of that? I didn't. But I got the impression they're going to call me and change my assignment. One hour later, they called me and changed my assignment. Now, why did I get the impression? I didn't need advance notice. I believe Heavenly Father was just practicing with me. I'm going to put something in your head and then it's going to come to pass. Now, did you notice that was me? So think through your lives. How often do you get an impression and then it comes to pass? Almost the same day. I guarantee if you start to pay attention, you will realize that he is practicing with you all the time. When it's going to be important, you'll need to know. But I love this. And if you start paying attention, you'll get a little impression and then it will happen. And that was Heavenly Father saying, that was me. Learn to distinguish the voice. Abby, what were you going to say? Um, sorry, I'm continuing to remember now. Oh, sorry. Um, if it comes to you, let us know. Like, help us familiarize yourselves yeah. with the voice of the Spirit. Yeah. Yep. Okay, here's a fun one. Ready? First Nephi 18, verse 10. How did Nephi know how to build the boat? Nephi had never built a boat. Jerusalem was not near a shore. Jerusalem was not known for boat building. How did Nephi know how to build a boat? The Lord did what? showed him. One of the things you need to realize is Heavenly Father puts pictures in your mind. Heavenly Father shows us. He puts pictures in our mind. I can't even tell you how many times he's done that to me. But if you're not paying attention, you're not going to recognize it as revelation. Sometimes he just puts a picture in your mind. I believe great scientific studies Great scientific discoveries have happened because Heavenly Father just puts a picture in someone's mind.
If you ever study DNA, the discoverers of DNA structure, a double helix, were Watson and Crick. And they wrote a history. Do you know how we discovered the, the structure of DNA? They had done all sorts of experiments and nothing was showing a clear structure to DNA. And then one day, one of them saw a picture, a double helix. And they did the experiments and guess what? DNA is a double helix. Heavenly Father puts pictures in our mind. This is probably the most famous example I could give you. This is Russell M. Nelson. Anyone want to read this one? Anyone see it well enough to read it? Whole thing. Yep. All right. Many of us have had experiences with the sweet power of prayer. One of mine was shared with the state patriarch from Southern Utah. I first met him in my medical office more than 40 years ago during an early pioneering day of surgery of the heart. This saintly soul suffered much because of a failing heart. He pleaded for help, thinking that his condition resulted from a damaged but repairable valve in his heart. Extensive evaluation revealed that he had two faulty valves. While he, one could be helped surgically, the other could not. Thus, an operation was not advised. He received this news with deep disappointment. Subsequent visits ended with the same advice. Finally, in desperation, he spoke to me with considerable emotion. Dr. Nelson, I have prayed for help and have been directed to you. The Lord will not reveal to me how to repair the second valve, but he can reveal it to you. Your mind is so prepared. If you will operate upon me, the Lord will make it known to you what to do. Please perform the operation that I need and pray for the help that you need. That is a man of faith. I love that. Keep going. His great faith had a profound effect upon me. How could I turn him away again? Following a fervent prayer together, I agreed to try. And preparing for that fateful day, I prayed over and over again, but still did not know what to do for his leaking tricuspid valve. Even as the operation commenced, my assistant asked, what are you going to do for that? I, I said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we began the operation. After relieving the obstruction of the first valve, we exposed the second valve. We found it to be intact, but so badly dilated that it can no longer function as it should. While examining this valve, a message was distinctly impressed upon my mind. Reduce the circumference of the room. Okay, there's this, right? A thought came to his head. I need to reduce the circumference of the ring. That was the thought, but it didn't solve the problem. I announced that message to my assistant. The valve tissue will be sufficient if we can effectively reduce the ring toward its normal size. But how? We cannot apply a belt as one would use to tighten the waist of oversized trousers. We cannot squeeze with a strap as one would cinch a saddle on a horse. Then a picture came vividly to my mind. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Showing how stitches could be placed to make a pleat here and a tuck there to accomplish the desired objective. I still remember that mental image, complete with dotted lines where sutures should be placed. The repair was completed as diagrammed in my mind. We tested the valve and found the leak to be reduced remarkably. My assistant said, it's a miracle. I responded, it's an antique prayer. The patient's recovery was rapid and his relief gratifying. Not only was he helped in a marvelous way, but surgical help for other people was, with similar problems have become a possibility. I take no credit. Praise goes to this faithful patriarch and to God who answered our prayers. 
This faithful man lived for many more years and has since gone to his, his eternal Dr. Nelson would then spend the next several years flying around this globe teaching people how to perform that surgery that God showed him how to perform. He just puts pictures. Anyone have that experience? When I got married, my sister was my best man. She was my best friend, and so I wanted her to be my best man. So I, I had her wear a tuxedo with a black skirt. It was very classy. But it meant she didn't have a bridesmaid's dress. And so for the wedding breakfast, where none of us were going to be in tuxedos, she didn't have a dress. And my mom didn't realize that until after she'd sewn all the bridesmaid dresses. She had no more material. And now all of a sudden it was like, oh my goodness, Melissa doesn't have a bridesmaid's dress for the wedding breakfast. She went back to all of the stores and couldn't find the material. She had bought up everything that they had. So she's driving home from the store saying, Heavenly Father, you've got to help me. I've got to make one more dress. And all of a sudden she saw a picture of how to fold the material that she had in order to make one more dress. And it worked perfectly. He just puts pictures in our mind. If you're not careful, guess what you're going to do? What I've done a thousand times in my life, what are you going to do? You're going to take credit for it. And you're going to miss that a, a loving Heavenly Father just answered your prayer with a picture. The more you learn to say, oh, thank you, Heavenly Father, that's exactly what I needed to see. The more you invite more revelation. If you've never even thought about him answering a prayer or, or giving you revelation by putting a picture in your mind, one time I knew exactly where my lost wallet was because he put a picture in my mind. I could see where it was. And I went right to that spot and there it was. Learn to recognize when Heavenly Father shows you something. Sorry, Clark, can you just a random connection this past conference? Um, something that I've noticed is I've really tried to make, especially my own like personal bedroom and space, like kind of a really sacred place. Mm -hmm. And so I have like a whole process I go through. I turn in like my little sparkly lights and like pull up my scriptures, you know. And so I feel like anytime I go into my room, I know that it's going to be okay. And like I can feel a spirit there. And so thinking about what President Nelson said this last conference about how he vowed to always have kindness inside of his surgery rooms and how he made his surgery room, a place where he could feel the spirit. And that is why he was able to receive revelation. Yep. And so making sure that we build, even if our lives are chaotic and crazy and we don't have to have a spark of light, but we're just having a space where we feel, we know we can go to feel the spirit and then we're surrounding ourselves with that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And we'll, we will get into a lot of rules of revelation that we'll talk a lot about all of those. What do I need to do to get more of this? Creating a space is certainly one of them. But isn't that a fun one to realize, oh my goodness, this happens all the time. Heavenly Father puts pictures in my head. Please. Did you mean specifically verse 10? Uh, one. One. Sorry. No wonder you're not finding it. Verse one. Read verse one. No, it's verse one. Thank you. Yeah, it's verse one. He did show us from time to time. Do you see it in verse 1? Sorry, not in verse 10. It's in verse 1. Okay, let's do another one. Here's one that happens all the time in my life. I'm sitting here pondering, why would someone do that? Why would they? Why, why, why? And then all of a sudden, guess what he puts in my mind? Let's do Doctrine and Covenants 138, 
verse 11. You'll, you're going to find this in Joseph Smith's history. You're going to find this in Book of Mormon. I like it in 138, verse 11. Joseph F. Smith, the sixth president of the church, is pondering this whole Jesus went to the spirit world. His son just died from the Spanish flu of the last pandemic. And he's pondering Jesus' visit to the spirit world. And how could Jesus have preached in three days and three? How could he have done all of that? And he's sitting there pondering the scriptures. And then all of a sudden, verse 11, read it. What's the wording? Someone read verse 11. Abby? Boom, there it is. The eyes of my understanding. What does he sometimes just put into your head? Understanding. He connects dots. All of a sudden, he just puts understanding. God puts understanding. Now, do I believe that I never do that myself? It's always, no, I don't believe it's always revelation. But one of the forms of revelation is he simply puts understanding. How many times have you just all of a sudden, oh, I just figured that out. And you just robbed God of the credit. And my point is to, is to open your mind to that sometimes this is what God is doing. He is putting understanding in your mind. i give you an example just the other day. I can't stand the dangling cords. So every TV I've ever mounted in my house has no dangling cords. I can't stand that. So I always have to move the outlet up to behind the TV so there's no dangling cords. So in my master bedroom, I'm moving the outlet up. It's down there, it's up here. There's, there's about a half inch hole I'm trying to thread it into. So I'm sitting here trying to thread it into this little teeny hole and I keep missing. I keep, I've been doing it for about 45 minutes. And all of a sudden, it's like, this isn't working. And all of a sudden, fish it up. Go through the little hole. Fish it up. So I just shoved it up like this, and out it popped. <laughs> 30 seconds. And I thought to myself, that was beyond me. That was a loving Heavenly Father just kind of tapping me on the head saying, Duh, go up. But there were no trumpets, there were no heralding angels, no dramatic music, just understanding. If you're not careful, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss an opportunity to say thank you to a loving Heavenly Father who loves you enough to care that there's no dangling cords on your TV when you mount it because that's important to you. <laughs> Fish it up, Bryce. Just a little. It wasn't even a thought. It wasn't the thought fish it up. It's just, oh, I know what to do. How many times in your life have you just all of a sudden known what to do. And may I invite you to stop taking credit for it and open your mind to the possibility that a, heaven, a loving Heavenly Father just planted understanding in your head because He loves His child. And the more you recognize it, the more you invite more. Just the other day, my wife all of a sudden said, I know what to do. She blurted it out and all of us were like, oh my gosh, that's so simple. Yes, that's what we should do. 
And I said, dear, I think Heavenly Father just spoke to you. And she got very emotional. It's like, oh my goodness, I think he did too. He knows me and my problems. Yes, he does. Her confidence shot up. She began to invite more revelation by recognizing that it was God who put understanding in her head. Should we do another one? John chapter 14, verse 26. Go to the end. Jump to the end. What does he put in our heads? John 14, 26. Keep going. Go to the very end. There's a lot of things you could say, but go to the very end. He brings all things to our... In other words, sometimes what does he pop into your head? A reminder. How many times have you suddenly remembered something important? Now, don't take full credit for it. Open yourself to the possibility that a loving Heavenly Father just reminded you. Hey, don't leave without the keys. Oh my gosh, that would have been so bad. I would have gotten there and had to come back. I'm so, I'm so glad I remembered the keys. I wonder how many times Heavenly Father's up there saying, Oh my gosh, Bryce. And yet he loves me enough to keep doing it. But I have found that if I will pause. Now, do I believe that every time I remember something, it's revelation? No, I don't think that. But I also believe that many of the times I suddenly remember something, it's because a loving Heavenly Father just reminded me. Wouldn't you if you were a father? Don't you, I do that with my children. Hey, don't forget. Oh, thank you, Dad. And I know my Heavenly Father does the same thing. You want to know how many times in 30 years as I've been teaching, I suddenly remember a verse of Scripture that, went, that goes perfectly with what I'm trying to say? Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. What if we paused after all of these and just said, thank you for caring. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for helping me. Do you see what happens? Your confidence increases and you invite more. It is my solemn testimony. He is speaking more to you than you realize. But you are taking credit for a lot of it. Learn to recognize that he puts pictures in your mind and understanding in your mind and thoughts in your mind and reminders in your mind. Dreams is another one. Etc., etc., etc. How about from here on out, you start to pay attention when sudden strokes of understanding come and you pause and thank a loving Heavenly Father for noticing and helping. You will invite more. He is speaking to you more often than you realize. Learn to hear it. And learn to recognize when you're not hearing it because you're going the right direction. Your life is going the right direction. Because if it weren't, he'd clearly tell you. Of all this I testify, you are his children, 
I have five married children who have moved away, but I constantly communicate with them. I know he's speaking to you. And the moment you start to recognize the many ways he's speaking and stop taking credit for them and start recognizing that you are worth his time to speak to. He wants to. He does. You will invite more. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.